you know, the, um, the verb to twerk. How, how old do you reckon that is? Uh, like Miley Cyrus, what was that, five five years ago or something, or four years ago? No, mate, I, don't, I think it's probably 12 years ago, wasn't it, 10 years ago? 1820. The first, the first record, the first recorded in literature, um, twerking was eighteen twenty. So there you go. If it, wasn't your... the, if it wasn't for the cook limit, I'd be asking, <laughs> how did you find that out? But let's move on. Ah, <laughs> oh, Joe, I love what you did there. And you'll love what Cryer Malt can do for your beer. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and proud supporters of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me, as we normally do, but um, sadly not together and not with any special guests, it's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. Yeah, not not together. Uh, we've got a continent between us and we've got no special guests. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's always good to chat. But we will make it work. We had plenty of feedback, both uh, personally, both anecdotally, and as well as emails and messages about how we're going with the show. We're going to try to get to a lot of that because the mailbag is fairly bulging, it is fair to say, Matt, this week. So let's get straight into it. Um, we'll start off with the headlines, and then we'll do a bit of a deep dive into a couple of articles that popped up on our news feeds this week in the beer world, which are worth dissecting for a little bit. But the headlines, did it, did it, did it, did it, did Applications are now open for CUB graduate programs. Um, so, Matt, you might have seen Carlton United Breweries um, have launched its uh, year annual, I think it's an annual campaign, which attracts, uh, designed to attract um, people who are not necessarily beer people. Um, it tends to be, I think, more from the science sort of background. Is that fair to say? Uh, it, it is. Their CUB is encouraging the best talent to apply for the highly competitive global management trainee, supply management trainee, and summer internship programs. So, uh, yeah, may not be, you know, people who are deeply immersed in the craft beer world may not be really wanting to uh, consider it, but a lot of great brewers and a lot of great businesses have sprung out of uh, people that have been trained in the in, in the big house. And you know, I'm thinking if uh, if nothing else, Stone and Wood, um, the the great minds behind that um, are all CUB alumni. So you know, you, they, they obviously learned something. Yeah, exactly. And it's look, we discussed this a little bit uh, with my experience in hospitality. That uh, I'm not saying that CUB is the McDonald's of, uh, <laughs> of the beer world, but it's. But what I'm saying is that sometimes the the bigger places that have bigger budgets for for training for graduate programs and that sort of thing can often just offer that little bit more. And you do tend to get um, not only a, a, a grounded and up to date. Um, education if you like or on the job training um but it's consistent uh across all their platforms um yeah for, for all their faults and failings there are some things that they do well and it's it's worth highlighting when they do get it right absolutely absolutely and uh moving on um abac i social media and pre-vetting um, the body responsible for overseeing complaints about alcohol advertising has released its 2018 annual report advising social media platforms and pre-vetting services were an increased focus for 2019. The Alcohol Beverages Advertising Code Scheme Chair, Harry Jenkins, said that with 2018 being the first full year of its new placement rules, the results showed that marketers still haven't come to terms with social media best practice. And uh, that's been something that we've looked at a little bit uh, over the year, Prof. Some of the you know social media campaigns that have uh, 
uh, fallen foul of, of, of the rules and also the importance of uh, social media campaigns. And ABAC is going to be one of those things that I think we follow up and uh, have a conversation with them to dive a little bit deeper into all things ABAC. But it's certainly something that brewers need to be aware of. Yeah, and look, I think that's the, the point. That it was a great story uh, on Brews News this week. If nothing else, it allows brewers to, you know, we sort of say, you know, not fall foul of the rules. Well, to do that, I guess, you know, you've got to know the rules first. And I think that's probably, particularly in the social media sphere, that's something that's, uh, you know, the technology always runs a few years ahead of the legislation in, yep. in pretty much every sphere of human endeavour. And it's no different to alcohol advertising standards and, you know, social media. It's so easy just to uh, take a quick snap and within seven seconds, boom, that's that's out there. You know, whereas you go back to, I don't, I'm not sure, Matt, if you're aware. What what, what year did, for example, say uh, beer like Crown Lager? When was that first, you know, <laughs> launched on the public? But that would have been, you know, you would have had to get uh, sign writers and hand painters and all that sort of stuff, and then you'd have to get a billboard, and you know, it it could be a month or two months. Now it's it's almost instant, and so you don't have that sort of opportunity to look back and go oh actually is there are there kids in the background there or you know can i see somebody reaching over the bar that shouldn't be whatever it might be but it, it, it's interesting because you, you were just alluding to crown and i just came off the phone to the new brand manager had a really interesting chat um that i'll be looking at putting into a story um on Brews News, but one of the things he raised, because I, I did comment that the, you know, once upon a time they had a very flash website um, and it doesn't look like it's been updated for quite some time. And he sort of said, well, the, the Crown Lager drinker isn't checking Instagram, isn't checking, you know, they're slightly older, they're 45 um, and older. Um, and so I guess conversely, the brands that do really target younger drinkers are the ones that are focusing on social media. And they're the ones that can quickly fall foul of some of those, you know, targeting you know, young people um, or, or, or children. Um, so yeah, yeah. Be, be aware of the rules because, as we keep saying, um, you know, if, if the rules keep getting flattered and they keep getting complaints, the government will act and there could be nothing worse for the industry than having the government regulate rather than self-regulate. Exactly. And if I can remember my schoolboy Latin, it's something along the lines of uh, ignorantia non excusat. So ignorance of the law is no excuse. There you go. Uh, Sydney's Bucket Boys plans a $1 million equity campaign. Matt, we saw uh, the Sydney specialty beer store uh, and bar. Bucket Boys is the latest drinks venture to fund expansion with the assistance of a um, soon-to-launch equity crowdfunding campaign. Um, and interestingly, the their campaign values the expanding business at around $10 million. I drew breath when I saw that. I, I was chatting to uh, Jonathan Hepner um, about something else about this uh, importing, you know, direct importing of, um, you know, beers. Um, he'd, he'd been quoted in Sydney Beer and fascinating chat. Go and have a listen to it. Um, no doubt if you're listening to this, um, it's in your feed. Um, but as part of that, he did talk about some of their expansion plans and two new stores. And I, uh, you know, I certainly uh, got his permission before I announced, pre-announced the, the crowdfunding, but they're looking at $200,000 to finish the fit out of the two new stores. And, you know, if they can get to a million, um, they have bigger plans, including, I mean, those guys have a tiny little brewery that they do specialty beers and they would love to have a bigger brewery. So they've got pretty big plans. And if they get a million dollars, they'll see some of those come to fruition. But when he said that, you know, that the crowdfunding was 10% of the business, I thought, wow, you know, that's, um, that's a lot of money for what is essentially a retail store. Um, and Jonathan went to some lengths to talk about the you know, fantastic discounts you get. I think you, 
you know, if you're on the highest tier, you get 25% discount for life. Um, wow. Of, all of your beers. So, you know, that's a fair whack of margin. But you'd also be thinking that the people that are getting the, that big discount um, are also the people that are your biggest customers. Um, so in one hand, they're getting an upfront payment from their biggest customers, but then not going to be making a big profit from them going forward. So, you know, I, I look, Prof, I've had concerns about the economics of equity crowdfunding campaigns and, you know, how judiciously they're being used by some businesses. Um, but, you well, know, caveat yeah. indoor to use my schoolboy... Uh, Buyer beware. Let, <laughs> yeah. let the buyer beware. And, and and completely separate to that, you know, like again, um, um, Bucket Boys is is a great business. Um, it's up to people to, to work out whether they're willing to give their hard earned um, in there. But a, a, another equity crowdfunding uh, that's kicking off today as we record, yeah, which is coincidentally, uh, Dayton. They've had a long, I think, expressions of interest phase where they create awareness and excitement, and it opens today to actually get in. Dan was saying that he's. Um, you know, uh, I think 80% towards their minimum um, already. So he was feeling quite confident about it. So. I did just see while you're on the phone talking crown, um, I did see a post from, uh, I'm pretty sure from Dayton, from Dayton Family Brewery, uh, saying that they had reached their minimum crowdfunding uh, level. There you go. Okay. So, uh, yeah. so, so, and obviously there's a minimum and a maximum. So, um, yeah. You know, the minimum allows them to do some things, but the maximum probably lets them, uh, you know, dive into pools of money like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> and Matt, our next one comes from our overseas correspondent, uh, a man on the ground over in the States at the moment, Muzzin Hajar. I'll Muzzin, let you go with that one. Yeah, Muzzin. Well, Muzzin pinged it last night. It also came up in my news feed. But uh, Muzzin, who is vehemently uh, um, anti tap contracts, uh, loves, and he knows that I'm a little bit less uh, so. Um, he loves to bring these things to my attention. Um, Heineken USA to pay a record $2.5 million fine to settle trade practice violations. The uh, Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau um, today announced the acceptance of a record $2.5 million offer in compromise from Heineken USA Incorporated for uh, alleged trade practice violations. Um, now, it included installation of proprietary brew lock draft systems that tied the taps to certain types of kegs, of which, of course, Heineken was one, um, and also reimbursed retailers who purchased the so-called patented and revolutionary on-premise technology through disguised credit card transactions. Additionally, the TTB accused Heineken's US importing arm of making a slotting fee payment to retailers. Now, that's basically, um, you know, like the sort of uh, upfront payments that are given to bottle shops here or, you know, even ven venues will give you five grand upfront if you give us a tap for a year. So they're called uh, slotting fee payments in the slotting US. Slotting fee payment. To, to, to get a slot, yeah. Um, oh, okay. And disguising those transactions as inverted commas, permissible activities such as consumer sampling experiences that never actually occurred. And Heineken was quoted, um, the set settlement doesn't admit to any violation of the law. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to pay $2.5 million for being completely innocent. For being completely innocent. And Heineken USA has been and remains committed to legal compliance in everything we do. Uh, Until we get busted. Well, and as part of our agreement, we are introducing an, an enhanced and robust compliance program and establishing an internal audit process. Now, it, it's one of those things, Prof, that there's a clear law. Um, you know, when you 
if you're making an honest mistake, you might sort of supply this technology or do these things. But when you actually hide the payments and go out of your way to sort of disguise who made the payment, I think you're losing, you know, I, I, I think the defense of uh, it was an accident kind of goes out the window. You don't reckon the two and a half million that they had to cop up was just perhaps a little bit um, hand caught in cookie jar esque? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's cheaper to, to to apologize than to fight it. But in this case, if if on, on based on those facts, I think they would have been uh, you know flogging a dead horse, so to speak. Yeah. Annual growth report. Uh, the Brewers Association released their annual growth report. A couple of interesting figures out of that one, Matt. Um, as always, a lot of focus on the, the headline numbers. Uh, volume share. So this is talking about what we would, I guess, call independent beer. So let, let's call it craft just for the, the sake of the argument. Um, yep. The volume share is up from 12.6% up last year to up 13.2% this year. That's it. Uh, the craft growth uh, equates to around about a 4% growth. Uh, 7,246 breweries in the United States. Um, of that, there were 1,049 openings, 219 closings. That's right, Prof. And, uh, yeah, and look, when you look at any of the reporting on these things, they're the figures talking about, you know, we now have 7,000, a record number of breweries, there are 1,000 openings. Craft and that's grown- now, I think, Matt, am I right in saying it's more now than even, like we, we talk about pre-prohibition numbers. Um, when there were, you know, uh, brew pubs and, and little breweries, you know, on every corner in every sort of, you know, major borough. Um, we're well above now where the US has ever been before in terms of the number of breweries. Uh, according to government records, but of course, back in the days of the Wild West, um, when every village oh, yeah. did, they probably would have had... Yeah. Un- unlicensed. Un- <laughs> Yeah, undocumented. You just undocumented have to watch brewers. Deadwood to know that. Yeah, there may have been one licensed uh, brewery and probably six or seven uh, operating in the. <laughs> so, so, so we don't know, but it's still certainly since records have been kept. But I just wanted to again, and not wanting to burst anybody's bubble or sort of say the sky is falling or anything like that. But I always have a fear whenever these figures come out that because um, the number of times um, I get people who come and see me because they're thinking of opening a brewery and they go, look at that brewery, you know, like they're, they're doing so well, I see their beer everywhere. Um, and they, they seem to equate visibility with um, cashed up goodness. And, you know, the, the, gee, there are so many craft breweries, everyone must be buying craft beer when sometimes, you know, the, the, what, the greatest period of hype is immediately before things start crashing down. So um, we never know. And I think craft beer is here to stay and you know, a lot of breweries are here to stay. But I just wanted to throw in a couple of comparison figures um, that I haven't seen anywhere else. Um, I pulled out the 2015 figures. Um, and the reason... So four, four, three years ago? Three years ago, because I figured that, you know, when you look at the 1,049, you know, that is a huge number of openings um, uh, in, in one year when there's only 7,000 breweries uh, now opening. Um, that... Of that 1,049, most of those guys would have been either in active planning stages around about three years ago, you'd think, when they're sort of thinking about, will I do this? Um, and so going back three years, the volume growth in 2015, in the 2015 year, was 13%. Um, so in terms of growth of craft beer each year, 13%, it's now 4%. So it's still growing. Still growing, but, but slower. But much slower. Um, but also, um, you've got you know, the increase in number of breweries was uh, the brewery number growth is 13% um, when craft beer growth is 4%. Um, Back in uh, 2015, 
uh, brewery growth was at 14% and volume growth was at 13%. So, you know, based on very, very rough figures, you'd be thinking that, you know, every brewery was sort of and you know, finding a new market. Whereas these days, you've got so many more breweries, but growth is much less. And that's when you start seeing the new Belgiums of the of, of the world down 10%. Um, so, you know, I, I'd imagine it's not just the, the, the big breweries that are seeing volume decline, some of the, 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 the more established smaller ones. Um, and that's possibly being reflected in the um, closings, which um, whilst it's, it's uh, now 3% of the total um, and only up from 2% of the total back in uh, 2015. So it's not, a, I guess on one hand, it's what a 30% increase in closings um, if, if you look at you know, as a percentage. but Which is natural because the more breweries you have, the, the bigger the percentage. If, if some do close, the bigger the percentage. There are, but I just, I just sort of looked at it um, closings are now 20% of openings compared to 10% of openings in 2015. So, you know, there were, um, I, I didn't document the figure, but there were 1,049 openings and 219 closings. I think there was around about 640 openings in 2015 and 100 um, closings. So just as a percentage of openings, we're seeing that creep up. Now, none, I, I'm not putting any uh, great faith, but, you know, it is very easy to get caught up in the hype, particularly if you are planning a brewery at the moment. And there are still a lot of people who are contacting me saying, look, I'm looking at opening a brewery. Um, don't just look at the headline figures. Don't just get caught up in the romance of it. Don't just sort of say, well, you know, things are still going apace. Look at the US. Because everyone, you know, does say, look at the US. Australia will follow. We'll go to 13%, um, a 13% share. I don't know we will, Prof. I, if we do, yeah, our market is very different. There are a whole range of different factors um, the big brewers were much quicker into the game because uh, now what was the term that, we, we, that our letter writer um, drafting drafting so yeah so we're drafting the US but at the same time um, it makes slipstreaming slipstreaming is probably a, a non-bicycling term. term yeah so we're slipstreaming the US but all of our trends are happening quicker but that also gave the big brewers in Australia um, a, 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 the opportunity to respond much quicker than the the, the US breweries did, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I just sort of throw that in um, with a little bit of added discussion without going right into the discussion current affairs style. Now that was a deep dive at the shallow end. Mm. Yeah, but it is interesting because, as I say, the the other salient point to keep in mind is that the big breweries, as in the you know the the megas, the um, interbrew, uh, have much more, I guess firepower to maintain or to you know stem the the bleeding um that they're experiencing than that than we as even as a collective of of small breweries um you know uh, is able to do and i think it, it's really important to things like you know supporting the aibas the good, the good beer weeks the um uh independent brewers association because at the end of the day that you know the, 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 the i guess the more united we are the better chance we have of uh fighting off uh, the various challenges that come our way because, yeah, make, make no mistake about it, the, the big guys have got money to throw at, at their um, diminishing sales. They, they well, can do a lot and, more. And the other thing is that to, to some extent craft isn't the end game for them. If you're a craft brewery, yeah. selling craft beer is your reason. You know, uh, it's your passion, Matt. It's raison. your passion. It is. But if, if you're, you're a big brewery, well. as we've talked about um you know, their craft acquisitions aren't about necessarily boosting the bottom line. It's about 
um, shoring up the TAP contracts so they can sell the Great Northerns, the, the, the VBs, the Crownies of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking now, Matt, of which, Prof. Yes, very nice lead in. Uh, I guess the biggest story, um, new story of the week was uh, Lion Australia, which has acquired the UK's Magic Rock Brewing. Yes, I met. One. I was lucky enough to, to meet Stuart Ross. Um, he was over. They hadn't. Well, that only it was the first experience I'd, I'd had of them in Australia. Um, and he was over for uh, for Good Beer Week, and he was one of the guests at um, Brewers and Chewers at the local tap house, which is another event. If you haven't got the ticket yet, get into them quick because they sell out very quickly. Uh, terrific bloke. Um, I guess a fairly typical story. Uh, although the difference for me was that it was in um, uh, I'm going to say Huddersfield. Uh, so in the sort of the, the Yorkshire, the, the broad Yorkshire sort of area, um, which really wasn't, I guess, a craft um, destination. Uh, and there's certainly a little bit more action and activity now. And clearly Lion has, has looked at that and for whatever reason said, yep, we'll have a bit of that. And um, they bought the lot. Um, they bought Four Pure um, late last year. So that gives them two. They've had a big expansion in terms of the little creatures and Panhead. The thing, Prof, uh, the, the thing that I find very interesting about this, you know, the acquisition is the acquisition. Um, Matt Curtis, uh, who's our English correspondent, uh, filed a story that I'll be putting up today, to uh, it, which he dives a little bit deeper into it. But the, the point that he makes and the point that I find very interesting is um, a lot of this stems back to uh, Brooklyn Brewing, which uh, Lion, uh, sorry, uh, Kieran has a 24.5% share. Heineken. No, no. Kieran has a 24.5% share okay. in... Okay, I thought it was Heineken. In... In uh, Brooklyn? In Brooklyn, yeah. Because that's why Brooklyn's okay. being distributed in Australia by Lion now. Yes, of course. But Lion is the one that's doing these... And it's, it's been one of those things that's just I've been tinkering around, bouncing around in my head. But uh, speaking of somebody this week, um, you know, who pointed out that Lion is the international lead for Kieran's... These acquisitions aren't being made by Kieran... They're being made by Lion. So Lion is 100% owned by Kieran. Kieran is a parent company, but Lion is the one that's making these acquisitions. So Lion seems to be the international craft acquisition arm of Kieran. Um, and don't forget too, Matt, and our listeners are probably aware that Kieran is also then owned by Mitsubishi Finance. Yes, so which goes mm. up and ever up. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, no, so that was an interesting little thing. Again, doesn't change the beer. Um it, it it gives Lion a footprint um, and a base for you know assuming that they um, uh, want to brew little creatures freshly over there and they brewed it on this side of the the, the country um, because they couldn't keep up in Fremantle so it only makes sense that they will um, make little creatures in in, in the UK um, gives them a they're doing it also um, in Hong Hong Kong and in San Francisco and more recently in Singapore. Singapore. I don't think they're brewing in San Francisco. I think that might just be a brew bar. A brew bar, okay. So, but it's, it's part of this um, globalization and making a very strong brand. Um, is that going to see little creatures become the Fosters? You know, where we don't drink it at home. Time will tell. Um, you know. Is it going to be part of a great program? I don't know, but I just think it's 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 always interesting to see some of the external signs and the fact that Lion is taking the Kieran lead and you know what they're buying and where in the UK. Watch this space; it's quite fascinating. And particularly because I think yeah, you've now got Four Pure and and Magic Rock, so we've now got a UK offering. We've got 
little creatures. So we've got an Australian offering. We've got Panhead, so we've got a New Zealand offering. And we've got Brooklyn, so we've got an American offering. So I guess when you go into a market, you then a new market, you can say, well, you know, we're building, I guess, a global portfolio of brands, even though they're all brewed, you know, at the back of whatever the, the venue is that you, you're visiting. Well, absolutely. And that's a pretty compelling list of uh, beers, Um that you know, if you walk into a big hotel and see that, you're not going to be complaining. Um, but it's also when you see the AB InBev conglomerate um, with Goose Island, um, they've got Jasper um, at, and Camden. Um, you know, so they've got a pretty good international portfolio as well. And we were hearing, we talked about it on the podcast maybe 12 or 18 months ago. Publicans whose contracts were coming up for renewal saying, oh, look, I'm just going to hold off because I've heard that Lion is going to buy another brewery or that CUB is going to buy another brewery, um, and they wait and see what transpires with that before they sign their contract. And, uh, you know, publicans ultimately, un- unless you are really a hard-nosed craft beer supporting publican and the, the Corey Crooks of the world spring to mind, if you are just running your pub and you just want punters in the door and your punters want something... <laughs> Sorry, slap me down. <laughs> Booze. Booze hounds. Booze. Uh, yep. <laughs> actually, it's probably the right word. Um, but, you know, if you just want people in, in, in the front bar um, and people in the front bar asking for craft and they're not so heavily invested that they necessarily care about ownership, they just want selection, um, then as a publican who's just in business, you're going to do that um, because you're going to get the, um, you know, marketing spend. They're going to put your staff in uh, uniforms, they're going to laminate your, your menus, they're going to, you know, anytime you have a, a dinner, they're going to take, you know, a table of 10. All of those things add up, and if it's just a case of having Magic Rock on instead of some independent craft brewery, it's not a big thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, Matt, yeah, we're, I guess it's, like I said, we're, we're kind of thinking global, but we're acting local. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, as we always say, drink local, but drink fresh, which brings us nicely into our next story about freshness of beer. Um, Matt, I ask you this. Is it okay for online sites to sell beer that is five months old? And is the retailer's defence that it's okay because it's, inverted commas, within date, an okay defence? Yeah, Prof. Now, we didn't make this one up, um, you know, for all of our fun with the, uh, the our comments about the... Uh, Facebook, Don't mention the wall. The, 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 no, the Facebook groups. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Facebook groups. Um, you know, th- there is some interesting discussion going on. It's not always informed discussion, but some of the questions being raised are interesting. And this was uh, one of them. Somebody posted a photo. They had just been to Boozebud, um, and they had sort of got a, you know, inverted commas, uh, fresh delivery, um, including uh, the Dainton Blood Orange Nurripa. Now, what's it? Tell me. It's a New England rye IPA. New England, okay. New Ripper. <sighs> um, it's a, I had it. I had it at uh, the Bendigo Craft Beer Insider Festival two weekends ago, with, and a shout out to Adam and uh, and the crew out there at Dainton. Um, it's a cracking beer. It really well, is a, a, a beautiful beer. I'm sure it is. But if you, but I don't know whether I would order that particular beer online. You and I, I think, are probably a slightly different demographic. And some of the comments I see on Facebook groups are prefaced by, you know, I don't have the luxury of a nearby bottle shop or, you know, online is the only way that I can sort of, you know, buy slab beer or whatever it might be. So I I guess we're perhaps a little bit 
We're finger spoiled. off the off the pulse. Yeah, we are a bit spoiled because a people you know breweries send beer directly from the the brewery to us, which is great. Um, <laughs> but we also have, I guess, living in the bigger cities, it, it, it's easier. Certainly, it, it gets easier every year for me to. Oh, I want to find out about a particular beer. I can drive no more than twenty minutes in any direction from my house and get to a, a decent bottle shop that has a decent selection. So I, I, I do preface everything that you and I say, Matt, on behalf of you and I. Um, with yes, I, I, I get that we're lucky and that we're perhaps not in the majority. Yeah, can we call that inner city beer journalist privilege, Prof? Yeah, that's it. That they were probably not in a position to comment on people that we're, don't we're have not allowed to have an, not allowed to have an opinion. Oh no, 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 well, no, no, I wasn't saying that. But you know, it, it, it's hard to comment because we we're not speaking from the same position as somebody else. Um, sure. But the, the the comment I was going to make about that is, you know, imagine as just an average consumer walking in and seeing Dayton Blood Orange Naripa and going, "Yeah, I want that. I've got no clue what it is." You know, in in terms of the yep. style yep. name. Um, hey, actually, complete segue. Did you see that the uh, Brewers Association had a April Fool's gag? Um, glitter beer officially recognised by the as a style, yeah, yeah. as a style for beer competitions. <laughs> so I, that that tickled my fancy. But anyway, back back to the topic at hand. He does make a very very good point. Um, you know, when when you are buying, you know, yes, for whatever reasons, and you're buying these beers because you can't get them at your local bottle shop, or you want a curated selection, or you you know, want. Um, somebody to um, send the, these beers to you so you don't have to go chasing for them. Um, and sites like Boozebud, which is owned by ZX Ventures, um, sending a beer out, do you, should you have an expectation that the beer will be fresh? Um, I kind of think you do, Prof. Well, particularly because in this particular case, the um, the person concerned who posted was buying a slab just of uh, what he described as one of his favourite beers. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So, so this wasn't. There was two two cans that happened to be in with a like a mixed selection because that was the thing I wasn't. I wanted to get back to was, you know, what was your expectation? And yeah, his expectation okay. was that he was going to get that particular beer a slab of. And but it's within date, so the you know booze bud came back. It's, and it's said, within. It's only like halfway through. It's it's. It's shelf, you know, shelf life. Well, and, didn't again, have five, shelf life is four months in, no, five months by the in out of nine. So yeah. just just over halfway. Sorry, but this is one of those, you know, that there's a growing list of these things that I um, come back to when you, you, you sort of see craft brewers celebrating one thing, um, you know, and beer freshness. Uh, how many brewers have you uh, seen, you know, hashtag FAF when a beer is coming off the line and saying yeah. how good this is and things like that. Um, and telling you that your, your beer is only good fresh, the hops are only good when they're fresh, you know, and it, it's a constant theme. But then making the pragmatic business decision because retailers expect something or, you know, beers do just take a, a while to pass through the, 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 the retail pipeline. Logistics chain, yeah. Um, yep. That they're putting nine months on. So on one hand, they're saying our beer is best when you drink it in the brewery. You want to drink it as fresh as possible. But, you know... Um, we don't and, particu- and particularly for that New England, the hazy style. Yep. Um, particularly. And look, it, I guess it's the the brewer on the one hand is responding to consumer demand. We want that beer in cans. Um, whereas the brewer probably says, you know what, ideally, I'd prefer it if you came down and actually drank it over the bar straight from the serving tank, you know, within four days of me saying, yes, it's it's ready to serve. The commercial reality is that that, that can't happen. So yep. the compromise is, okay, look, I'll put it in cans. 
but guys, you know, um, we'll we'll try to do our best to let you know on through social media or through our EDMs or you know uh, subscriber lists or whatever it might be um, when the beer's available. And if you want it at its best, it's not going to kill you at, at five months. It's not going to kill you at nine months. It's not even going to kill you at eighteen months or, or or two years down the track. But it's not going to be as good as it is now. And then it's up to us, I guess, to say, I know by getting this beer. Um, through a third party, which is possibly the fourth handler of, of the beer, from the you know brewer to packaging to distribution to you know a, a DC somewhere depending on where it's gone and and I don't know um, Boozebud how specifically how they get their beer and store it. Yeah, they're, they're going to be putting in an order at the time that the beer comes out and saying, well, you know, we'll, we'll get twenty cartons. Will you give us a special price on twenty cartons? Beer Beauty will take twenty cartons, and then you know might they'll... might sell ten in the first day. Yeah, they, they do, but then the, the last three or four cartons are going to be sitting on the shelf for a while. and Exactly. And it goes out, and, and that's the thing. And you know, there are guys like um, Ben Krause, and I've, I don't think I've ever – I'm not a member of the Posse, but I might join I the am. Posse pack. How fresh are the beers coming out of um, the, the, the Posse pack? Uh, look, I, I, honestly, I don't check every, every um, date. Uh, for me, it's – I give a lot of them away, uh, I have to admit, because for me – I'm getting other beers in all the time, so I'm not going, I'm going to drink all these in a week. Mm. Um, so for me, it's kind of, you know, and you get, you get, uh, say, six of the um, the the posse uh, unique, you know, limited release beers, and then three, 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 three sort of thing. Yep, okay. Of, of different styles. So I tend to look at the, the dates on, on stuff like the Saison or, um, you know, if, if it's a chestnut pilsner or something like that. Uh, and they're always reasonably fresh from the from the brewery. Like they, they're, I'm pretty sure they're packed at the brewery and sent from the brewery. So I don't, I don't know that there's a middleman or person. It is possible to send beers directly from brewery to consumer these days. Um, so, so that to, to to get it fresh, get it out, get it in the condition that the brewer would obviously want people to to, to um, enjoy it in. If you do make the compromise and sort of say, well, you know, we do have to. We, we, we're running a business, we need to get scale, we need to sort of go into BWS, we need to go into um, a, a couple of these uh, beer package um, places, um, then that's that's okay too um, because, you know, then it comes down to, well, if consumers, if you've got these highly volatile beer styles um, and consumers are getting a bad um, uh, experience, if they're getting a good experience, all well and good, but if they are getting a bad experience, then that's one of the things that leads to the gradual erosion of the excitement and passion for craft, or turns people away from craft, and they go, "Well, you know what? I get a great, I get just as good an experience from the carton of beer from, you know, mega brew owned craft brewery that cost me twenty bucks a carton less. I'm just going to drink there." And these are all of the things that are taking place in the market um, as it rapidly evolves. Yeah, just quickly before we do move in and dive into a, as I say, a bulging mailbag this week. Um, part of the, I guess that's that's the first half of the of the story. The other half was the was Boozebud's response. Are they, you know, well within their rights, I guess, to say, well, look, if the brewer says it's it's about halfway through its um, best before, who are we to argue with that? Um, there's nothing in there that, that I've read that sort of said the beer wasn't up to the standard that I was expecting or I didn't enjoy the beer. Um, I guess realistically, if, if somebody poured the beer for you and said, try that, yeah, yeah, that's really nice. If they then showed you the bottom of the tin uh, uh, and indicated when it was packed, would you then come, oh, actually, it didn't taste as good as I thought. 
So we, what? at the end of the day, the market will decide. So if, uh, for me, I know there's how you respond to issues often says a lot more about your business than the way you, you know, deliver the um, the promise in the in the first place. You, you've hit the nail on the head, Prof, and, and that's what I was uh, taking far more words to say. You know, <laughs> if, if as a brewer, you're going to sort of say we're uncompromising in our standards and then you compromise, <laughs> you, you, you're kind of um, wrestling with the devil. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, every single beer that we decide to drink outside of um, the serving tank over the bar at the brewery itself is in a, is a compromise. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. And that's of one varying of the, degrees. But, but that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why the big brewers became big brewers was because when you look back at the history of um, you know, the, the consolidation of beer, um, the great consolidation came as rail... Um, expanded and our good friend historian Brett, Brett Stubbs has a book uh, pretty much about this looking at mines, rails and uh, breweries I think um, uh, I'll put a list in the show notes there were, the, the consolidation of brewing really coincided with the uh, expansion of the, the, the rail network and brewers being able to efficiently um, get their beers out to a market which grew their market so the brewers that made better beer that was more in demand that could get the beer out to market better grew um, and you know then as they consolidated and the, the breweries became more and more local um, it, it did come down to you've got this logistics chain and we need to make beer very stable for this logistics chain and there is a constant gravity in the market downward pressure on making beers more and more bulletproof for this yeah. uh, retail chain. Now, if craft brewers want to play in that space with beers that aren't designed for that space, then that's when you start, you know, getting sand in the gears. <laughs> um, we'll probably talk a little bit about Pilsner Urquell as we get into the mailbag because it's come up um, as a result of uh, a lot of the different conversations that have been going on around Lager and Pilsner. Um, but uh, pretty sure they were one of the first, one of the first things that that brewery built after it built the, um, the brewery, the brew house itself was the, was the train line. Um, uh, I, did, I did not know that, but they were the... Pretty sure they did have a train line that went bump straight through. So you, you, you got your goods in and your goods out um, nice and easy. And uh, Michael Portillo, who does the um, Great British Rail Journeys, I was just, you know, while in the background while the TV yeah. was on, and he was going through Burton-on-Trent. And the same thing. There were at one stage. There were, he said, you know, the growth of, of British Rail was in part due to um, the industrialisation of that sort of of that uh, area of, of Great Britain. Mm. Um, and I think he's there was some amazing figure. Like there were six uh, rail lines that were built just to service uh, the breweries in in Trent. Wow! In Bur Burton on Trent. There you go. I, 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 I was reading something this week that um, Pilsner Raquel was the original crowdfunded brewery. Oh, there you go. No, because I, I always knew the story. Because um, it was the burgers of the fine burgers of, of Pulzen who was a there said, was a this rebellion. beer is shit, we yeah. can't do it. We, and they you, smashed 29 barrels of beer out front of the town hall and they sort of took up a collection to bring Joseph Grohl and build a brewery. So they, I, 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 as we never call anything the first wow. here, but it was no, no, certainly, was I, so I thought that was an interesting take and a very good take. Hey, just on that, another another one, um, you know, the um, the verb to twerk. How, how old do you reckon that is? Uh, like Miley Cyrus, what was that, five five years ago or something or four years ago? No, mate, I, I think it's probably 12 years ago, wasn't it? 10 years ago? 1820. 
the first the first recorded the first recorded in literature um, twerking was eighteen twenty. So there you go. If it wasn't for your... the, if it wasn't for the cook limit, I'd be asking <laughs> how did you find that out. But let's move on. Exactly. Maybe you know, with slogans like that, um, we should release a beer and put it on a label. Who would you use to make a said mentioned labels, Matt? Well, our business needs flexibility, Prof. We're a small, it's not our core business and it would be a special release beer. So we would want somebody who could be as flexible as our business needs them to be. And I find Rallings uh, is, is as flexible as I would need them to be. Well, Matt, before you before you give them a call, <laughs> I don't need ten thousand labels, okay? You don't need ten thousand, and even if you don't, even if you do need ten thousand, but you don't need them at once, they'll hold them for you and get them to you as you need. So that helps you. What? Cash flow. <laughs> Mate, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get straight on the dog and bone and phone one three hundred eight five two two three five to discover a more efficient way to get our small batch canning labels done. Nicely done, Prof. And now to the mailbag. And our mailbag, of course, all of our uh, letter senders get a. Bruce News Bar Blade, but they also go into the running for the prize for the letter of the week. Thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel. You will go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack. Thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week and always check best before dates before they send them. Well, I was just thinking that. Um, hopefully, I hope. Yeah, hopefully they guys, do. Let's guys, look. yeah, just, <laughs> just guys, we're talking about beer freshness this weekend. Might want to make it. <laughs> we I, do, I, I did we get do a, a good enough job of making ourselves look like dicks. Can you please not uh, assist us in that particular endeavour? I did get sent a uh, mixed carton from Beerology who wanted me to review it. Um, and, oh, okay. Uh, is, that new, is that a similar kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a marketing company that's getting into wine and beer distribution. Um, and look, I, I will have to say, uh, the first thing I looked at was the used by dates, um, apropos of the discussion that we had. Best, best before dates, Matt. What did I say? Yeah, used by. Oh, uh, sorry, best before dates, yes. Um, and the, the youngest one was four months. The oldest one was about two weeks shy of its 12-month best before date. And uh, <laughs> That's almost a Old enough to have a birthday. It was almost. Now that's probably a little bit. That's taken the piss, mm-hmm. um, particularly. Or that, maybe that just shows a, a lack of um, education in that particular field. They've got into something, and perhaps yeah, need to look at that. Anyway, don't forget to review us on iTunes or send us an, an email, and you can be in the draw for the letter of the week. And the people who are in the draw for a letter of the week, uh, we kick off with Katie Pies. Uh, she gave us a five star. I'm going to. Oh, you're, you're assuming it was Caddy Pies. Yeah. I don't know. So Caddy Pies, yep. It could it could be Caddy Pies. So it could be maybe it could be a Maori person. I don't know. Um, but anyway, five star. Great. Love the show. But, oh yeah. I'm going to say Caddy Pies. Okay. Love the show. I listen while driving to work. One hour is spot on. Please stop the Tay Tay references. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to assume it is a girl then. She's um, not for Tay Tay. Yeah. Has it been that many? But I know there were two. There were two in last episode, but they were both relevant. My, uh, look, my, my Greg Cook is your Tay Tay. Okay. I'll put it that oh, way. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to get get upset by you know or take any offence to that. I'm just going to shake it off. But um, very references anyway on Facebook. I see what you did there. Slipped one through. Um, two points from Barry Cranston, who is a former home brewer of the year. And also has had the honour of uh, appearing live on stage with me at uh, Craft Beer College at Gabs, which is coming up soon in Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney and Auckland, um, because he got to brew a Gabs beer for being, I think, the New South Wales winner of the um, uh, home brewer of the year uh, in a such esteemed company as, um, among others, Derek Hales. Um, two points, says Barry. The serious news is very informative, but the waffle is most entertaining, so don't change. 
Next, I listen when I mow the lawn or go for a walk, but mainly when I'm brewing a homebrew batch or when I'm kegging or cleaning kegs, which I did this morning. Keep up the good work. Oh, that, that's nice. So, uh, yeah, we look, we'll keep the waffle manageable. And I, I actually think we've been doing a pretty good job of that today, Prof. You read us one from uh, a good friend of the program, Richard Jeffers. Well, he's not a good friend of the program. He's never Two been on Bay's the program. Brewing. But we will actually get him on the program. Um, now, Two Bays Brewing, a gluten-free brewery, although they talk about ancient grains. Um, hi, Matt. I'm sitting on the train between Seattle and Portland listening to your podcast, and you were asking people to tell you where we listen, so I thought I'd drop you a note. On a gluten-free brewery call across the crawl across the U.S. before CBC, and the, half of the industry is over at uh, craft uh, craft beer conference in the U.S. and I'd love to go. Um, Denver, Colorado, I think. Denver, um, gotta love the industry. Um, the gluten-free brewing community over here continues to grow and build brand and provide great excitement and joy to the GF community. Something we hope we are starting to do down under. And mate, I have to say I've heard nothing but good uh, things about Two Base. Very, very good beers. Hope to host you at the brewery one day if you add the Mornington Peninsula to your travel plans. Manage to get uh, introduce our beers to Pete at the GBW Gala event. Need to get some to you. Cheers, Richard. Mate, I would love to. So when you get back, uh, or if you've got people waiting my call, uh, happy to send an address. Otherwise, we would definitely love to come down. So uh, uh, that, that'll be on one of our swings through. Yeah, the Mornington Peninsula certainly would be um, considering if you speak to Matt Houghton at Boat Rocker, um, he considers Brayside, he describes Brayside as the uh, gateway to the Mornington Peninsula, um, <laughs> to which I say, that's a fucking long driveway, um, but it's a fair way from, uh, from the Mornington Peninsula, but it, it does give us many and varied options. Um, now, James Omond. Um, Good friend regular of the show. writer, he is a good, good friend, good of, the friend of the program, and and regular letter writer. Uh, I've only just finished listening to episode two one one. Pardon, James. Women like beer too, and the next step has already dropped, uh, as yet unlistened to. So I don't know whether the switchboard has already lit up with <laughs> MCC members, but let me add my voice to the chorus. In caps, we have to pay for our beer. The only exception is if you pay for a food and beverage package in one of the function rooms. Uh, and there's no sign of a member discount. Every beer at the footy, even in the members' reserve, is expensive. So thanks for clearing that up, James. Oh, did we say that they got it free? Cause... Uh, well, I think it was, yeah, if you're not paying for it, do you really care where it comes oh, from? Oh, right, right, It was, right, was right. kind of like a, yeah, and I, I was under the impression, uh, not having ever been into the, the members uh, at the MCC, um, MCC members at the MCG. Uh, so I, I had assumed, I guess, because um, the only time I'd been was in the Southern Stand uh, as a guest of Cricket Victoria, and okay. and that was obviously a, a function where it, where it was all turned on, so we didn't have to pay. Well, you might get to uh, go to a, to go and check it out because there's a read on. Yes, Zoe sounded a little put out, did she? <laughs> that she's not a member. So let her know I'm happy to take her into the members sometime if she wants to go to the footy and try the MCC ale. Although I can't give any promises about my behaviour once the ball is bounced. Nice disclaimer, James. Uh, and I totally concur, or should that be agree, with everything you said about the press release. Uh, so this is the press release concerning the MCC ale. I received the email from the MCC announcing the new beer. I initially assumed that being Pirate Life, it would be an IPA, and I was very excited by that. But having read the description of the beer twice, I still had no idea what it would actually <laughs> taste like, other than it probably wouldn't taste like an IPA. So thank you very much, James. Matt, Mick O'Shea is another regular uh, reader and writer. Yes, and I'm pretty sure that Mick, and I hope he did give us an address because he was the one who reminded me that it was uh, Conan O'Brien who visited the Endeavour Tap Rooms. 
Yes. So he was the first one in. So hopefully he has given us a, or we've got a, an address on file so we can send him something nice. Now, Mick, in the interest of the cook limit, which we're actually doing quite well on it, if we don't fall off the. Uh, I won't put the mockers on it, <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a very long email, and we do encourage our uh, listeners to you know be as brief or as long as you want. But we just can't always read out the the full things. But we do we do, all, we do always discuss it off air, off air. Uh, and we and we both uh, individually, Matt and I, and I think Joe as well. We read through all of the letters and and pick out the the bits, but we just can't read necessarily all of them. Yes. So Mick, thank you. And Mick was the one who. Uh, advised the cycling term that Matt was looking for in the last episode that refers to riders gaining advantage from the lead rider is called drafting. So thank you for that. Um, uh, then there was, is, that yes. when you, is that when you lean forward and you grab onto the pack rack of the bike in front of you? <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so. I think that's okay. that's not allowed. Um, on the question of Facebook, I think setting up a closed group for subscribers, listeners, is a great idea, and I look forward to you getting that underway. Facebook is a great way to uh, gather feedback through quick surveys like finding out how people listen. I listen on my bus, train, commute to and from work. Um, so, yeah, so I have given Joe the go-ahead, so we look out for that. I should just point out, to, uh, I, know, I know we haven't highlighted it, but um, Mick also did say, enjoying the guest appearances you've had on the show, and it was excellent to hear Megan on the last episode. It was. I, I do read many of the articles, and I don't just rely on the podcast for the news, and Megan does a great job in the printed space. She does. I thought she did really well. Did you like Mick's uh, final line there? Did you notice I avoided using the words punter and booze in my letter? Yeah, well, until then. <laughs> then again, he was one up on me. Yeah, so apropos our discussion about uh, Pilsners and uh, how hard it is to get a, a really decent one, a lot of brewers just not making them, and we got on to talking about lagers, and I gave a bit of a shout-out to uh, Ren Blackman and uh, Rick Benny from uh, Blackman's Brewery down in Torquay, and also a shout-out to Luke, who looks after the, the, bar, the brewery bar in uh, Geelong. And Richard was very kind to – So sorry, I mentioned that um, he had a, a sour lager. This is their barrel farm pro, uh, project. Uh, sorry, a sour neeper and then a, a sour that was brewed with a lager yeast. Um, and it was just a cracking beer. And it uh, got us talking about lager and, and how sometimes it's a bit underrated. And a shout-out to Steve Mick and steve was it, I think, the, um, from SMS. Up your way, the, yeah. the, the SMS, uh, and Nigel Ayling, who jumped in on a Facebook discussion about um, Pilsner Urquell in particular. And so I jumped on and we got a little bit of back and forth about, yeah, just how sadly undervalued and underappreciated uh, sometimes lager is. So this from Richard Benny. Cheers for the shout out. On the topic of lagers, I look forward to the day where lager yeast is seen as just another colour in the palette, to use an artist an uh, analogy. The use of it in no way dictates the resulting beer be bland or boring, as some consumers believe, and there's no limit to the styles of beer the yeast can be used in beyond the brewer's imagination. How quickly consumers forget their dislike for lagers when they drink a Baltic porter, for example, which traditionally uses lager yeast. I think the mindset of the mass movement away from lager as exclusively a mainstream product is passing. Is this the year of the craft lager? Asks Rick. Um, as you know, at Blackman's we make a more classic lager, based on an American lager without adjuncts, an IPL or in your pale lager, and now a sour lager. Um, glad you liked it. I did. Thank you. Uh, previously, we have released our version of a New Zealand Pilsner and even an India black lager. Once again, yeast, including lager and all other brewing ingredients, are just uh, ways a brewer can colour and shade a beer into an interesting and drinkable product. 
Um, cheers, Rick. Thank you very much for that, Rick. And then he does finish off with, P.S., the podcast should never be cut short. If a conversation requires three hours, then so be it. <laughs> Listeners can utilise the incredible functionality Don't of their podcast app and press the pause button when they've had enough and resume at their leisure. <laughs> and, of course, keep up the good work. Thank you very much for that, Rick. Good man. Don't, thank you, Rick. But yeah, don't, don't encourage. encourage Doesn't need encouragement. No, mate. I, I actually think look, fifty-four minutes twenty. Um, there was a little bit of stuff at the beginning that's going to be cut out. We have covered so much territory. We've uh, you know had a great discussion, and we're still under the cook. And look, at the end of the day, Matt, I think what our listeners are after is uh, that th- there is a broad band of um, of listeners who are after the. A little bit of a deep dive into the news and a little bit of information about the news. Others um, just want to hear the, I guess, the headlines, what, what's gone on during the week. And then, you know, they can refer to the website to catch up with the articles. And then there's also, I guess, you know, it's it's still got to be entertaining. At, at the end of the day, it's it's just beer, for God's sake. I mean, it's like uh, drink responsibly, but don't take it too seriously. I just can't believe anyone wants to listen to this, Prof. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm stunned and amazed um, each week when we see letters like like we've got, um, emails like I've got, texts, uh, Facebook messages, um, and even just you know I say this is because we're coming into I guess you know the the, the Good Beer Week uh, festival um, and being able to catch up with all these people and just hearing people go oh, look I never write in or whatever but listen every week love the show so and that really it's very gratifying. It is it. It, it is, Prof. You know, it's very humbling and very gratifying. And when you get, you know, like emails from guys like Richard Jeffer, uh, Jeffers, um, you know, listening to us on a train um, in, in the US visiting breweries or, uh, you know, you, you, you chat to Stu Wycross um, from Voyager Malt and he listens to us on the tractor, <laughs> you know, growing grain for, for craft brewers. Um, it's it, it's a humbling but incredibly rewarding uh, thing. So, uh, but you know what else is rewarding, Prof? What's that, man? You know, just that little sound of a coin dropping um, in into a tin that's being rattled. Um, you know, <laughs> it, this is if you do like the show and, and brewers. Like we, we do have a lot of people in the industry. If you are listening, um, and if you want us to come down and visit your brewery in the uh, Mornington Peninsula, for example, the thing that helps us do that is if you uh, give us a little bit of your hard earned. Um, you know, we do this for free, and we'll keep doing it for free, and we will cover the stories that we cover, regardless of whether you uh, do or not. But if you like what we do and would like us to keep doing it. Um, Give till it hurts. That's it. Our sponsors, our supporters, and you, our listeners, uh, all the uh, cash that comes our way does go into um, not our pockets, but in terms of into being able to do the trips that we do to um, uh, what's it called, Matt? Bandwidth and all that sort of stuff, like all the bandwidth stuff, and you know, try and make our live it. podcast a little bit better. And apologies to you know, we, we've, we've thrown a few crumbs to Joe every week to to make this all sound legible and listenable and. Yeah, there's been a couple of bad... Entertaining. Some of the live recordings have uh, not been up to spec, and we, we do apologise for that. We've heard you, and we, we, we're fixing it. Um, but yeah, and we should say, look, there must be a way around that, because even when we listen back to, you know, when we... I know we probably should have done it beforehand, but when we listen back at the finish, you could sort of hear all the voices, you couldn't hear that noise, and it wasn't really until I put the earbuds in yep. um, that, it, that it became, yeah, a little bit annoying. But Joe did was after Joe cleaning that up. And, yeah, that's right. So she had actually, you know... At the end of the day, you know, it's a it's an editing program, not a magic wand. Um, so sometimes it's uh, we're going to be a little bit rough and ready, but we thank you for putting up with us. Um, thanks again to all of our sponsors, particularly in particular, uh, Cryo Malt, to Rellings Labels and Stickers, and to our good mates at Beer Cartel, who make sure that the uh, letter of the week 
gets a six pack of beer, which I was going to say for no other reason that I want to find out whether uh, I've been offending a girl or a boy. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Katie Piss or Katie Pies? I reckon it's Katie Pies. Okay, but Katie now Pies. We'll, we'll find out. So, Katie Pies, if you are listening, and we know you do because you, you say you love the show. If you do love the show that much, I then, hope it's a nice uh, day at work for you, given you listen to us when you're on your way to work. Listening uh, while driving to work. Um, and one hour is spot on, she said. And no, I will not stop the Tay references. So, if you wouldn't mind um, flicking us, uh, producer at bruisenews.com.au that, with uh, yep. an address. And then we'll send out uh, – I know it's only a six-pack, isn't it? But I really feel we should send more. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Well, what no, is, we'll, we'll make it six. What, you what, don't listen to Tay-Tay, do you? That's one of the big ones. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right. You, you, On that you, note, you, you, you never thank you very worse, much. Like when you try and stay culturally relevant, Prof. <laughs> hey, when you were talking about Rattling a Tin, <laughs> was it just me or – Straight into my mind came uh, Eddie Murphy in um, the start of Trading, Trading Places. Places. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Edge and Irish, cigarette and Irish, yeah. Yeah, pretending to be a, a, a blind, okay. uh, homeless, legless beggar. Uh, you don't need to go to that extent. Just throw us some coin. Thank you very much. My name's Pete Mitchum. I have been your host on this edition of Good Brews Week, and he's been Matt Kirkegaard. Say goodbye, Matt. Bye, Matt. Good on you. <laughs> we'll see you all again for the next episode. Cheers. And we're out, you slog. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.